to welcome you back to the Bearded Table. Uh, for everyone who tuned into episode one, it really means a lot to me. I really want to thank you guys for liking the page, sharing it, and just giving it a listen. This is this is something that means a lot to me, and I'm really excited to start this journey and begin this process and hopefully get this really going somewhere. And if this is your first time tuning in today, welcome to the Bearded Table, and I hope you enjoy what I have in store for you guys. Today we're going to talk about some NFL games that happened over the weekend that really caught my attention. Also get into some MLB playoffs. We got about a week left until everybody's locked in. You know, you got a couple teams like the Giants and the Brewers. They're a couple games out of securing their last wild card spot. So we'll get into that and break those down. Lastly, I'm going to talk about my top five favorite sport movies of all time. All right, before we dive into some of these NFL games, I just want to Shout out real quick to all my fantasy football guys out there. You know, this was a rough weekend for everybody. <laughs> a lot of players went down. You had Saquon Barkley, uh, the B- Bosa from San Francisco, multiple guys with injuries. Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle's still out. You know, <laughs> playing fantasy football gets rough sometimes. You never know who you're going to pick or who's going to go down, especially with a shortened season like this. So uh, all my fantasy guys, hanging tough, you know, long season ahead of us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, you know, let's dive in. Uh, first game was the Chargers versus Chiefs. It was a huge game. That really stuck out to me, you know. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, typical day in the office, 27 for 47. 302 yards, two touchdowns, and also ran for six carries for 54 yards. Impressive day for Mahomes, you know. But that's not the story I really want to talk about for this game. You know, the Chiefs won, obviously, in overtime. But the real story was Justin Herbert. This is his NFL debut against the defending Super Bowl champs. And he got the nod about an hour and a half before the football game. I don't think you can make a story like that. Tyrod Taylor had chest pains. He ended up going to the hospital. So Justin Herbert steps in. In his NFL debut against the defending Super Bowl champs, he went 22 for 33, 311 yards, a touchdown and a pick, and also had one rushing touchdown. For a guy who was drafted to learn behind Tyrod Taylor and kind of get molded into an NFL quarterback where he was kind of used to the scheme of a college quarterback. It's difficult, but I I really think he showed people that he's meant to be in the NFL. He's meant to make a name for himself. It's different when, you know, you go up against the team in the preseason and you're facing guys who are on the typical practice squad or third, fourth stringers. There was no preseason this year. He was facing his guys in practice and then he's going out and facing the best team in the NFL right now. And he gave them a run for their money all the way until OT. I mean, he was incredible. He he found the key weapons that the Chargers need. Tyra's a mobile quarterback who needs weapons, and he has weapons. I just don't think he is in the right scheme. I think Herbert really showed that they have the weapons. You You had Keenan Allen, seven receptions for 96 yards. Hunter Henry, six catches for 83 Right there, those are your two biggest weapons on the team. You got Austin Eckler right next to you. who He's one of the best running backs they've had since the days of LT. And I think Anthony Lynn has a big decision to make for week three. I think this is a decision in the future. And if you want to invest in a winning culture, yes, Tyrod Taylor might be the safer option. But on two consecutive fourth downs, you went for it. It obviously shows you can make those gutsy calls. And put it all on the line. And I think putting Justin Herbert in the driver's seat and trusting this rookie and seeing where it can take you is your best option right now. 
All right, you know, second game I want to talk about. Let's talk about the Steelers and Broncos. A game, you know, a lot of people thought was going to be very one-sided. Uh, turned out not to be. I think it came down to the game plan of the Steelers' defense facing a guy like Drew Locke and him getting hurt in the first quarter and having to adjust to another quarterback that you typically have no film on or don't really know much about. Uh, Drew Locke went down in the first quarter after throwing the ball away getting hit by Bud Dupree and getting intercepted. Jeff Driscoll came in. He's been playing about five years in the NFL. No no one, no one's really seen much of him. So it was, I think, a, a little bit of a shock for the defense to adjust like that. And I think it showed throughout the game. You know, Driscoll came in 18 for 34, but he still threw for 256, two TDs and a pick against supposedly one of the best defenses in the NFL. The Steelers are about to face Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans next week. One of the teams right now that really desperately needs a win. And I think they're it's going to be a tough matchup for the Steelers defense. If they can't handle the Broncos shaking them up a little bit, I'm kind of worried about how Houston's going to handle them. You know, Melvin Gordon had 19 carries for 70 yards and a TD. And then Noah Fant, four catches for 57 yards and a TD. The Broncos have players that they can make plays with and I think Driscoll really showed that I think this is something that if Von Miller and this defense can really get something together once he comes back from injury you know maybe Locke is your guy maybe there's something maybe there's something they're cooking in Denver but I still think they they need a couple more pieces you know the Steelers Ben Offisberger was 29 for 41 311 yards two touchdowns and a pick James Conner came back from injury. People didn't really know how he was going to bounce back after going down with an ankle injury yet again. Had 16 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. I'd say that's a pretty good overall game. You know, Splitting carries with Benny Snell the first game after getting hurt and Snell taking over and getting the highlights that he did. You know, I think Conner wanted to show everybody that don't count me out yet. I know everybody thinks James Conner is injury prone. Yes, he may. He might have been last year, you know, but I think he's put a lot of work in this offseason to not let that happen again and I think that really showed you know it was a good bounce back game for him uh and, you know just a great overall offensive performance by the Steelers you know they had a couple of rough times they were two for 12 on third down that's definitely a, a negative I would say if you're if you got a guy like Ben Roethlisberger and you got guys like Juju Smith-Schuster Deontay Johnson Eric Ebron James Conner you, you have weapons and you have a guy who can utilize his weapons, especially someone like Ben Roethlisberger. So for your offense to go 2-for-12 on third down, that, that's a big problem. And I think Mike Tomlin will definitely address that this week in camp and get them ready for this weekend when they play Houston. Let's talk about, you know, last thing on the Steelers-Broncos uh, game is uh, Chase Claypool, the first-round pick for the Steelers this year in the draft. Got his first NFL touchdown. It was an 80-yard pass from Big Ben. You know, running the sideline, just ran it in for his first NFL touchdown. You know, I, I think it would have been a lot better to see all of Heinz Field packed for that touchdown and really get the true feeling of what your first touchdown at Heinz Field feels like. But that's got to be a special moment either way. Lastly, you know, the Seahawks and Patriots. That was, that was an incredible game. I, I was very impressed with the performance of Cam Newman, and especially Russell Wilson. I've been saying this for a while now. People need to respect Russell Wilson. 
This guy is one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the league. Yes, Mahomes can chuck the ball as far as he wants. He has crazy no-look passes. Yes, Lamar Jackson has incredible speed and has great vision across the entire field. But Russell Wilson just finds a way to get it done and picks you apart. This man threw for 21 for 28. 288 yards, five touchdowns, and only one pick. He threw five touchdown passes to five different receivers. It's not three three touchdown receptions for Tyler Lockett. No, five different people all caught a touchdown pass. This guy finds people. No matter who you are, you'll get catches. You'll get the yards. He makes plays happen for the Seattle team. And to add a guy like Jamal Adams on that defense and shut down the Patriots like they did to end that game is just even more momentum for them. But let's talk about the Patriots. You know, Cam Newton was 30 for 44, 397 yards, one touchdown and one interception. He also ran 11 rushes, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. The Patriots offense has been set in stone in a certain way for so long. And I think the fact that they have a guy like Cam Newton now, it changes that atmosphere and what they're trying to do. And it's showing that this offense, it's it's a different Patriots offense than we've seen for the past 16, 17 years, you know. A guy like Julian Edelman, who's been used to a guy like Tom Brady for so long, kind of struggled week one, didn't really see much of him. And then Julian Edelman comes on Sunday night, eight catches for 179 yards. He never even touched 179 with Brady. This shows right here that the Patriots offense, if they can kind of find these weapons and just get this chemistry going, Bill Belichick can get this team going in the right direction. And it's going to be scary. Well, it's almost October, and you know what that means. The MLB playoffs are finally going to be coming back to us. we got about a week left until the MLB season is finally done and the playoffs are underway. There's a couple teams still in the hunt, but we got a couple teams locked down. In the AL, the only teams right now that have secured a playoff spot are the Rays, the White Sox, the Athletics, and the Yankees. And out of those matchups right now, the teams they have faced up, you got the Rays and the Blue Jays, division rivals, going up in the first round. You got the White Sox and the Indians. You got the Athletics and the Astros. To me, that is going to be the best matchup if we get that in the first round of the playoffs. The Athletics have really taken the AL West by storm this year. You know, the Astros lost a lot of guys. You lose a guy like Justin Verlander. You lose Garrett Cole. The staff really took a hit. And, I mean, on top of everything that's happened with them, it's it's hard to keep a good headspace with everything that's happened with the Astros. And I think it's really shown. And the Athletics have really taken advantage of that. And then, lastly, you have the Twins versus the Yankees. The Yankees are a hot and cold team. They have great hitting. They have good pitching, but it comes down to consistency. And the Twins this year have been consistent. They've been great. Minnesota is 33-22. and 22. They got Josh Donaldson raining down bombs for them. They got a staff that will shut you down. And I think it's really going to come down to the pitching staffs of the Twins and the Yankees for that divisional matchup. Over on the NL right now, the only teams that are locked down the NL are the Dodgers and the Padres. Ironically, two teams in the same division. Everything else is still up in the air. This year, the NL has been very interesting. You know, you have the Dodgers who stacked up with Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw and 
they're looking like a team that's really going to make a run for the World Series once again. You have the Padres who really shown building these trades with Manny Machado and building this team up that they have something cooking in San Diego. I really believe the Padres facing the Marlins in the first round of playoffs could be very interesting to see. As the Marlins have a decent young staff with not a lot of experience, but they got a lot of grit. The team comes together very well when they want to. You know, the Marlins did lose 29-9 to the Atlanta Braves. So, yes, that was pretty bad to watch. But other than that, you know, they've shown in glimpses this year that they can be a good team and come together and Brian Anderson and all these other guys could really make a difference and maybe even give some Miami Marlin playoff baseball a chance. You know, it's been a long time since we've seen some Marlin playoff baseball. You know, in the hunt right now in the AL, the the only team that's really kind of making some noise and might make a, a final push towards the wild card is the Seattle Mariners, you know. They're four games back. If if they can, you know, string a couple wins together, maybe get ahead of the Astros. That would, I think, be a huge upset for the Astros and really a, a real big wake-up call for them as an organization. Um, over on the NL side, Milwaukee and Sanford are both tied right now for the last wildcard spot, even though it's held by the Phillies. So the Phillies are teetering with that eighth seed while Milwaukee and Sanford are on the cusp of hoping to get a playoff push. This is uh, It's going to be an interesting MLB playoffs. You know, it's... The way it's been this year with starting spring training, getting ready to play, shutting down, beginning again, having certain protocols, and now you're going to be stuck in a bubble where they've been traveling so far this season to all these different cities. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the best matchups so far, if it stays like it is, like I said, are going to be the Athletics and the Astros. I think the Dodgers-Philly series is going to be very interesting, you know. If this Phillies offense, you know, puts some runs early on the Dodgers, it might might put them in a tough situation. If Clayton Kershaw can play like he did last year, or is he going to be the typical Kershaw that blows it in the playoffs and could blow it all for the Dodgers? Like I said, Padres and the Marlins. I think the Rays and the Blue Jays is going to be a great series as well. Like I said, it was a division matchup against the two teams. You've got a young team in the Toronto Blue Jays with Guerrero Jr. You have so many people on that team that can really make something happen. And the Rays have an incredible staff with leading them with Blake Snell. I mean, he's just lights out almost every single time he's on the mound. And I think if he can be lights out, I think they can definitely get past the Blue Jays and see how far that can take them into the MLB playoffs and maybe possibly to the World Series. Lastly today, I want to talk about my favorite sport movies of all time. It was hard to really narrow down to just five movies with a plethora of so many good sport movies from the 70s, 80s, and even from the past decade or two. You know, there's just so many to choose from. So narrowing it down to five was very hard for me. And I, I hope I don't offend anybody with my list. I know there are timeless classics out there. And I know that some people might think, okay, he was born in 1997, we'll cut up some slack. But yes, I am cultured. I listen to classic rock music. I love 80s movies. I have some culture inside of me, thanks to my father. So, you know, let's get into this list. You know, number five for me, remember the Titans. That's, I got to 
experience what it was like to play football for a couple years and just remembering what the camaraderie was like to be in the locker room with all these guys with the same goal, just wanting to help each other and all achieve greatness and do so much. And to have a story like theirs was during the times of the civil rights movement and to make the impact that they did and how they did was incredible. You know, being young, you don't really see the message behind the movie, but being a 22 year old adult now and watching it, it's like, wow, you know, they paved the way for so many people and took a stand in a time and in a sport where not a lot of people were. You know, next movie, Major League, uh, a, a timeless classic in the baseball genre. You know, I, I played baseball for many, many years. It was still my favorite sport. And there are so many baseball movies out there, but, you know, Major League is, it's a comedy movie and it makes you laugh. But from a, a player's perspective, there's the little superstitions inside of the, the locker room and just the way the team is together and how it's a funny play on what it seriously is like. You know, you have superstitious guys in the locker room who <laughs> I, I've never met anybody who prayed to a voodoo, voodoo doll, but, you know, I had my own superstitious things I did. You know, I used to leave my right cleat untied and I would tuck the laces in. Don't ask me why. I really couldn't tell you. It was just one of those weird things. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the same thing. I remember the Titans, you know, being young, just thought it was really funny. But after all the years I played in baseball, I think just the comedy and fun you have playing baseball resonates most in watching Major League. Uh, number three on my list is Miracle. Um, I never got the pleasure of playing hockey, but goddamn, do I love the sport. I've been to countless Florida Panther games, seen some great nights, seen plenty of bad nights, but either way, to me, hockey is probably one of the most exciting sports to watch live, and Miracle was something that, I mean, it was huge for our country, and I've seen the movie countless times, and each time I watch, I just find myself a little little more motivated, or just like a different perspective on something that's going on. It's just such a gripping story of overcoming challenges when everything is backed against you. Everyone around you is telling you you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. But in a collective group, you can make something happen. And they did. And I mean, this happened years and years ago. And people still talk about it to this day. People still watch the movie. Still, still bring it up. You know, the, that team has stood the test of time and will stand the test of time. This team will go down as one of the greatest Olympic hockey teams to ever grace the ice. And then number two, we got The Sandlot. This was one of the movies that really shaped my love for baseball. You know, going outside when I was young and playing baseball with my grandfather and just throwing the ball or running around on the pillow bases that my grandma made in my backyard, just pretending I hit a home run and running around. It was That was how it started my love for baseball and then getting to play t-ball and doing all that getting the coach pitch it was it's like a it's like a transition process you know when you're kind of like when you're going through school you know you have elementary school you have middle school you have high school and every level of baseball was different but you know after getting to the college level and not playing anymore i look back at all those times and all those different levels 
of when I played in the younger days is when it was it was just fun. It wasn't about, oh, damn, I just struck out three times. It was, oh, oh well, someone else looks bad. Let's cheer them on. Let's have fun. Like, it was about having fun. And I think the Sandlot just shows you that baseball was fun and baseball is timeless. You know, it's it's about grabbing your friends together and going somewhere and you know, hitting a ball and catching around, sneaking some chewing tobacco because you see all the MLB players doing, you think it's cool, and then realizing, oh, my God, this is the worst thing I've ever tried in my life. <laughs> um, it's it's timeless, you know. It it just it resonates the child inside of you, especially if you've played baseball, even just seen the movie when it came out as a kid. You know, you're an adult now, and you have kids that watch the movie. Like, I'm I'm already sure of it. Don't have kids yet, but when I do, when they see the Sandlot, it's gonna you know, it's gonna warm my heart just to watch them see something that warmed my heart as a child you know to to give that to them is going to be incredible and then the last movie i had to choose was it was a tough choice for me you know i there's so many good movies out there and so many good stories and i think the one that really just really struck me the most and really made me want to get into sports or just do something was the mighty ducks you know i like i said i never got to play hockey so that was something that always pushed my parents, but you know, I, I played so many other sports as well. So it was just, it was hard to maintain that and just be in school. And so I, you know, I, I never got the chance to play hockey. So as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be, I wanted to be the guy who scored goals or be the guy who was in the net saving pucks. Cause I, I played catcher in baseball. I used to think if I can do this, I can do it on the ice. And the Mighty Ducks was a movie that showed me, oh my God, this is what I want to do. I want to be an athlete. I want to play sports. I want to, I want to be that kid on a team having the time of his life. You know, I want to, I want to get that shootout opportunity and score the game against the Hawks and win it all for the Ducks. It was a movie that really inspired me to really be an athlete. I, Growing up, I wanted to be a paleontologist. I wanted to dig up dinosaurs. It was, that's all I wanted to do. And then after playing, you know, t-ball or flag football and all these other sports, it, the passion started changing in me. You know, I wanted to do something that was fun and I just got to let all my energy out and just be around people and do something that was exciting. And a movie like The Mighty Ducks just, really showed me that these kids all had a great time and I can too. And I think that was what it all came down to and what it was all about. I want to thank you guys for tuning in for episode two of The Bearded Table. You know, this is the beginning of a long journey and I really hope to just give you guys more content, hopefully get a couple guests on here soon and really get this thing off the ground. Uh, probably within the next month, I'm hoping to maybe get this filmed and be able to post on YouTube and other platforms Right now, you can find The Bearded Table on anchor.com, which is where I created the podcast, or you can go to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public to find The Bearded Table. Or you can just go to my Facebook page, The Bearded Table Podcast. Either way, I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode and the many more that are going to come. Thank you for tuning in and sitting with me at the bearded table.